Uh, well, this morning, uh, as you can tell, things are looking a little different. We are very, very uh, grateful to have Bishop Dan Scott with us this morning. Uh, if you don't know Bishop Dan, he has been a friend of Sacrament for a long time, um, and we're always happy to see his face around here. And he just came out with a book. He didn't want to, uh, you know, brag on that, so I'll do it for him. Um, it's called Faith in the Age of AI. Um, so just a super interesting topic all about the theology um, and how we can look at that through a theolo theological lens as, as the world is changing with um, all the AI stuff going on. So very interesting, um, smart guy. And welcome, Bishop Dan. It's wonderful to be here, and I know that many uh, watch this online as well. And uh, as it's been noted, our service is abbreviated today for numbers of reasons, but we've all filled in, and, uh, and you know, it's wonderful when we know the dance together, we can just do it together, right? And most of all, we know uh, the Lord together, and, uh, and so we're here to worship Him. So it's transfigure. It's a feast of transfiguration today. Uh, so what's that mean? 1992. Uh, I was at Oxford uh, University uh, for a two-week study uh, in a in a seminar day and night uh, with wonderful scholars from all over the world. And there's a hundred people been together. I don't know how I got there. I was young, of course, and then I really was. Uh, and some of the people that, you know, that I knew well uh, and had heard about and others that were a big deal but I, I didn't know about yet because I was new to academic world and to uh, a lot of the, the world that I've entered since. Um, but uh, one of them was an interesting character that I, it's like a Tuesday morning, I believe, uh, for devotions, this Orthodox priest that was very round and very jolly, uh, reminded you of somebody comes around uh, once a year at, at Christmas time, uh, and and he got up and he read the gospel reading we have heard today from St. Luke's gospel about the transfiguration, and he finished it, and he said to the people gathered there for this devotional, will you tell me, he said a big booming bass voice, which I do not have, Will you tell me, he said. Uh, that's, that's why I didn't become an, uh, an Orthodox priest because you have to have a deep voice and, and, and be able to sing all that stuff. So, uh, Will you tell me, he said, what is glowing in this story? And so a few people shouted out. Uh, Americans, the British don't shout out. They just kind of mumbled. Uh, so Americans shouted out, Jesus. Oh, yes, he said, Jesus was glowing. What a wonderful thing. Of course, that's not a surprise, he said. Jesus is the incarnate God. This is the revelation that Jesus is the incarnate God, and why wouldn't he glow? He's always been glowing. They just hadn't seen it before. What else? Moses and Elijah. Well done, he said. Moses and Elijah are, are glowing. Well, but on the other hand, they were dead, right? And uh, they had been glorified in heaven. They had been living in the presence of God. And they're making a rare appearance on the earth to, with Jesus. And, of course, they would be glowing. That's, so you think about it, makes sense. <clears throat> what else? Nothing. 
We didn't have phones in those days. We could check. We were just listening. We'd listen as we do halfway to the readings. And uh, so he said, what else? He said, oh, my. Most of you, most of you must be Protestants, he said. <laughs> and so he said, no one, no one. The clothes. Jesus' clothes are glowing. And he said, and the gospel writer makes a big deal of this. They're glowing like no one had ever seen any clothes glowing. Well, you don't get clothes this clean when you clean clothes. Certainly not in the ancient world. He said, why does the gospel writer make such a big deal about the clothes glowing? And in a big booming voice, he said, because matter matters. And then he said, the work of Christ will not be satisfied and fulfilled until every last speck of dust in the universe that God has created is redeemed. And he went through a kind of a just very short lesson, his lesson that day. And he said, Christ is the first fruits, right, of them that sleep. He's glorified. Then we follow We're going to glow like Moses and Elijah. He said, and then he said, everything in the universe will be transformed by the glory of God. Matter matters. And and he finished with this. He said, the transfiguration is not a once and for all magic show. He said, actually, it's the opposite. He said, imagine setting like I used to go, he said, for on a Saturday morning to the cartoons, see the cartoons at the theater. And we're watching the cartoons. And he said there would be like two or three hours you could watch, you know, and eat popcorn and have a good time. And then you open the door of the theater and he said, all that light, because you've been in the darkness and you've been watching made up stuff on a screen and suddenly the light is piercing you. And he said, you realize I haven't been in the real world for three hours. And now there it is, pouring through. He said, the glowing of Jesus and Moses and Elijah and his clothes is a revelation that we've been living in the darkness all of our lives and that the glory of God has come to us to awaken us to eternity you can imagine that, uh, uh, well, my watch went off. Uh, just kind of help me, someone here. Pardon me? Okay. Uh, you can imagine uh, that I could spend considerable time unpacking this, and I would spend more time if we had more time, but you can do it yourself to think through the implications. Much of Christianity uh, in our country has uh, inadvertently dismissed matter as mattering. And so we hardly know what to do. And so it's interesting, you know, go to church and like when communion comes or baptism, people don't know what to do. They, we all do it. All Christians have communion and, 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 and baptize people. Almost all Christians do this. We do it in different ways and we argue about what, why we do it and what it means. We do all that. But... We all do it because the Lord said to do it, right? 
but I don't think that people really get it until they get this one piece. That's why, particularly in the Eastern Church, the, the, uh, the Feast of Transfiguration is so important. When we really understand that our mortal bodies are important, it's not like we, I used to hear it when I was a kid in West Virginia, you know, you know, you look at old Zeke here, this ain't Zeke. It's like, you know, when the, when the, you, you take the nut out of a shell, this, this, this is just the shell of Zeke. The nut's already gone. <laughs> it's, it's, it, that's, it sounds good, but that's not, it's not good. It's not true. We believe as usually we have the confession of the creed, which I think we're dismissing today, but the, the creed says that we believe in the resurrection of the body. We believe in the resurrection of the body. Why? Because matter matters. And so the Apostle Peter, I think in these epistles, these two epistles, uh, uh, we could call him the kind of theologian of transfiguration. Because he's talking about, uh, he said, we didn't follow, I like the old King James here, we didn't follow cleverly devised fables, but we were eyewitnesses. And this happened. And he said, not only did it happen, it is happening to you. The Apostle John also, beloved, now we are the sons of God. It doesn't yet appear to us what we shall be, but we know this. When Christ appears, we will be like him. We'll be, we're going to see him. We'll be like him. Uh, and he follows, and he who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. So the Apostle Peter also weighs in on this and he reminds us, uh, we expect Elijah and Moses to glow. They're big deals. They're Old Testament saints. They're big, big deals. I mean, the Jews say, you know, set a place for Elijah at the Passover because when Elijah comes back to everything else, I mean, that's the end. That's the fat lady sings, you know, they say in the, in the, in the opera. Um, it's over. Um, Moses, uh, it's, I mean, for Jewish people, that's the center of everything, the law and the prophets. But the Apostle Peter reminds us that we've been brought into that. It's hard to imagine that we're ever really going to become saints and even harder to imagine that the Lord already sees us as saints because every one of us know we have thoughts that would shame the devil. We do things we shouldn't do. We, you know, thought, word, and deed, things, things we do and things left undone and all that, Right? And we're petty. And a lot of times we look back in our rearview mirror and we say, when is this gospel stuff going to really take hold and holiness begin? And from the Lord's standpoint, it has already begun. And hard to imagine. But if the Lord wished to reveal the glory that's already in us, that the Apostle Paul says is already in us like, like in an earthen vessel, if the Lord revealed that to us, we'd look around and everybody here would be glowing. We've already been touched by the presence of God. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And we are the embryonic forms of eternal creatures. And it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. Isn't it the most wonderful thing? So the glowing of Christ is a revelation not only about who Jesus is, not only 
the wonderful visitors he had with him and the voice that came from heaven and all of that. But the clouds, the clouds that they entered. I read this morning online a, a priest that was saying the cloud was the same cloud that was over the tabernacle. Right? It's a pillar of cloud that directs the people through the wilderness and directs us now. It's the glory of God, what the Jewish people call the Shekinah, the manifest glory of God. And that is occurring in us and to us. And in just a few moments, we believe, will happen to just pieces of bread and of wine that people all over the world have for dinner all the time that shall be for us, the body and blood of Christ. Amen.